Hello and welcome to the Coaching Roundtable podcast. Today we have with me, Isabel Ross, I have Daniel. G'day, how's it going? You always do the Aussie um, intro hello, don't you? Well done. I know. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> up in Queensland we have Ashley. Good morning everybody or good afternoon or good evening. Good, good, good day. Good, good day, yes. <laughs> it's... Uh, you could be listening at any point in time. Yeah. They could be, even possibly at night. Who knows? Uh, exactly. Now, we are here today to discuss breaking down an actual ultra into the thought that you've maximised um, the benefits you can get from your training, you've done everything right. What are the little one percenters within looking at an ultra that you can do to maximise your performance in the race that is your A race? And we're going to talk probably a number of different things. Um, those little things that we can do that can help us be faster without necessarily increasing our speed. Yes. How does that sound? I think that kind of covers what we're trying to say, don't you think? I think it does. Mm. So what's, what's, Izzy, what is your first thing that you do? You sign up for an ultra. Yep. And what's the first thing you do after you sign up and and your, your bank account's empty? Yes, panic. No, um, what like when I'm preparing for an ultra, what I like to do is I like to print up a big map, then I like to print up the elevation, then I like to mark on the elevation profile where all of the um, aid stations are, and on the map I mark where all the aid stations are. Then I go through and determine my strategy and pace for each section of the course, um, how far it is between aid stations, how much nutrition I'll need and um, what, you know, where I'll be using poles, where I won't be using poles. And just I just break down that course and go over it and over it and I often stick it up on the wall. So just I'll look at it even just as I'm walking around just so I really get an eye, you know, really ingrained in me what I'm in for with this with this course. Yeah, that's pretty much everything. I think um, Isabel's covered it really well, and that that brings us to that's the end. That's the podcast. Of All right, so, we're done. Good. <laughs> <laughs> record time under four minutes. <laughs> no, that's a really comprehensive uh, way to start it, Isabel. Like, mm. yeah, yeah. I just find that that it really clarifies it in my mind. You know, like. Um, uh, you know, I've got to, I start with a climb, you know, there's a four kilometre climb, then there's, you know, a three kilometre run along the ridge, and then there's a six kilometre downhill, and I need to be prepared for the day. And just, you know, it keeps you prepared for all the different sections. It also, you know, if you're up high, what sort of clothing may I need in that section, you know, do I need to be accessible? Is it going to be cold up there? Is it going to be windy? There's... You know, you really need to look at the course, especially when we're, um, I mean, obviously for 24-hour track races, not much course preparation there, but even then there is a little bit. But you, if you are doing a mountain or trail ultra, you need to really be aware of what you're in for and really, um, I even go into Google Earth, you can map the course on Google Earth and then zoom in and look at the terrain. Yeah, that's Really good point. I, can I mm. add something to that? One, of the, I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot that we add each of us, but I, yeah. I'm a big believer when I sign up to a race, I like looking, I go looking for um, race reviews 
that people have done, you know, like people oh, yeah. a, yep. a race report. And yes. I, I like to get th- their perspective on the run as yep. well. And yep. because like, and you do, you want to get as, as much of a multidimensional look at the, yeah. at the race as you can. You know? I've, I've actually sometimes gone, read those reviews and then emailed the people and had, had a bit of a chat with them about the course. Yeah. I think it's it's valuable. Um, mm. I've never done that. But, yeah, I think the more you know, because, like, yeah, elevation profiles and stuff are not necessarily going to tell you everything you need to know. Because no, that's right. What the There's nuances. A lot yeah. of nuance, yeah. yeah. Um, what, what else? Yeah, we're, we're getting right into it. And um, I'm just trying to think. There's So – what would you add to that so far, Ashley? Look, I, I, I've got I've got down what Isabel has has said, which is map, profile, aid stations, poles, no poles, pacing sections, kit requirements, and then <clears throat> race reviews from you, Daniel. Uh, I agree with all of that. I have a tendency to start with the profile, then I go the map, um, and the and then I. I I actually grab the profile then and I break it down into descents and ascents. And then I start to do the maths of what, of how steep the ascents are or descents mm-hmm. are. So the percentage. So the percentage, so that I can then work out the training that I'll need in my legs, especially if it's a mountain one. So how um, do you work out, for, for the listeners, how do you work out the percentage of the uh, grade of the hill? So I just look at um, the profile and then the distance it's covering and then the metres it's climbed mm-hmm. and, just bre- yeah. and just break that down. as a, It might be 100 metres per kilometre. Um, I think yeah, which is an easy biggest one, one yes. would be like about 200 metres per kilometre here in southeast Queensland. Um, yeah. And that's just in certain sections. So if, it, if you're doing 200 metres per kilometre, you know, you're going to be doing 15-minute yeah. Ks. So that gives me an idea then of where I'm possibly going to be max speed or max pace and also my slower paces so that I don't try and – because then I can work out how long it will be between aid stations. Yes, that's right, Um, because um, a distance doesn't necessarily tell you anything. Correct. So you can go, oh, you know, the distance for a 200-miler, for example – those things are averaging a marathon between aid stations. So you pretty much have to pack everything. Yeah. Kit lunch. Whereas there's other ultras where it's only five Ks between aid stations. Mm. And then sometimes you'll go, oh, it's only five Ks between that aid station and that aid station. And then you go, oh, hang on, you're going to climb a thousand meters in that. <laughs> so that, that's, that's actually a long, long way away. Um, yep. So working that sort of thing out so that I can then train appropriately, particularly downhills. I want mm. to know downhills more than uphills because it's downhills that break people. I Which is kind of, we yeah. spoke a bit about that last week, didn't we, how we need to we prepare did. for the downhills, and that's a significant reason why because they're the ones that are going to trash your legs. That's yeah, right. That's where the, the race falls apart for most people, and it's the most frustrating yeah. thing because you like to go, because in many ways you want your downhills to be a sort of recovery, but if you can't even run down the hill, yeah. You know, you're not you're not making up any time, and you know you're in bad shape when you're sort of relieved that there's an uphill. You know, um, <laughs> I, don't know, I know. Like yes. you've been blown your quads that badly, but um, yeah, no. It's got there's a there's a race up here, um, the Guzzler, and it literally starts on yes. an uphill, and then it goes all the way back down and below where you started. 
And so, oh. and that's within the first five kilometres. And it's a significant yeah. climb and a significant descent. And people literally blow themselves up in fi- in the first five k's, and they've got ninety five k's to go. Yeah, and that ninety five so, k's is such a joy after you're completely <laughs> blown up. <laughs> so it's stuff like that where you go, "Oh, hang on, this climb's fine, but I really need to to slow down on this first descent because yeah, I've, the fact is you actually have to climb back up that climb again on the way back." Because you've got to do that mountain pass again on the way back. Uh, I always think that, that requires almost a whole entire podcast episode on its own, Ashley. Um, the, how to how to really exercise self control and patience in a big mm. race, you know? Because oh my you know, god, that, yes. That you know, and here's the, I tell you when I feel great and I really like I want to open up, and I've done it in the past. It's like. In a 100k race, when you get to about 20k's, the body starts to feel really loose and warm and, you know, and there's that tendency to just want to push the pace a bit. But, you know, you've got to hold back. You've just got to keep holding back because it, you know, it's, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for exercising patience. If you want to go hard, go and do park run, you know. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But if if you want to go long and have a real experience, do an ultra, but just... Yeah, you got to run smart, and it's um. Yes. I don't know if you guys have heard, um. Oh, you you would have. Did you interview Alex Hutchison by any chance, Isabel? Yes. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, and one of the things in his book he talks about is um, with pacing in, um, they they looked at the U shaped curve of the way the pacing. Yeah. Um. So athletes, it doesn't matter if they were kids or even elites. You know, even like this is looking at a 5K, but it, it sort of works across lots of distances. Um, they quite often will always start out really hard. There's a, a real dip in the middle kilometres, and then yeah. they finish somehow, even though they've got nothing left, there's always a, yes. an, an uptick. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know how we mitigate that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, You have to regulate your brain a lot more. Yeah. But it's interesting. It, it is. Yeah. It is interesting. And um, I think certainly in an ultra, you should be, when you're going out, when you're starting, it should feel easy. Yes. Yes. For how long? If you're already, if, you're, if you've got, you know, if you've got a hard, long race ahead of you, if you're already feeling like you're pushing the limits in the first couple of K, well, yeah, your, your pacing is off. Yeah. You're what going to be well do? and truly pushing the limits by the time you hit 100k. Yeah, exactly. Even 50k, you're going to be hurting if you feel yeah. if you're pushing it in the start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like would you said, suggest it's that, not a park run. Save it for the park run. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I would suggest that an ultra is an exercise in good management. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's not a flat out race. It's an exercise in good management. And when you say good management, you're not just talking pacing. It's everything, isn't it? Everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. You know, think, it's like it's yeah. like you said there, aid station is your next thing down after profile and map. So, you know, yeah. you've got your map, you've printed it out or you've, you've got it on your screen, you've marked where all the aid stations are, you've marked the distances. And for you personally then, you might have marked how long you think it'll take for each individual time. It's yep. in an aid station. Well, you've got aid stations now. Now, in, in our current coronavirus, aid yes. stations have become quite <laughs> different 
to what they used to be. Uh, certainly here in southeast Queensland, the way we are getting around the coronavirus is everything is prepackaged. Nothing is yeah. you can't get boiled potatoes anymore that you you know that you put your hand in when everybody else puts their hand in. It comes in a packet and you, you eat whatever's in a packet. Sorry, and, I hate and, packaging. That's all. That's my grumbling is just packaging. Sorry, go on. That is true. <laughs> I don't disagree with you, but that is the world we currently are residing. Yes, I know. Yes. So then Not it is, kind. you know, what do you guys do for an aid station? To get quick in and out of an aid station, do you guys have your grab bag that has everything in it and then it's got yep. little bags in it that you yes. know go into which, which pockets? Or do you grab a seat, sit down, lounge no, around, no, no, you fiddle with your down. shoes, play with your socks, <laughs> go over no, to see, the, to the table honest, and have a smorgasbord? Even before coronavirus, I never ate from aid stations. I just did not because you just don't know what you're going to get. You can't rely on it, and I just don't. So I always had drop bags because, once again, even if I have a crew, you can't rely on the crew actually always getting there. So I tended to have drop bags, and the, if the crew were there, they would grab it and give it to me. But within that would be, you know, exactly everything in a Ziploc bag that I wanted, just yeah. everything put in the one Ziploc bag. They just give me the Ziploc bag. I shove it in my pack, keep on going. Even the bottles, I would just swap out the drink bottles, refilled already. I think um, you're right. I, I think you really need to have an aid station plan. and that, like, Yes, definitely. So it's not to say, I mean, you don't want to just breeze through your aid stations and not take advantage no. of the things, but you need to know what you're going to do when you go, as you're going in. Because if, you, if you're planned in advance, I mean, when we're all a bit fatigued, the brain gets a bit muddled. And, and I've, yeah. you, you see the people walk into an aid station and they're like stunned mullets and they're like, what am I doing? And they just don't know where. And then, oh, that's right, I've got to grab it. Oh, I need water. Oh, hang on, I need to get my drop bag. Oh, my, I've got a blister. I need to change my shoes. You know, have yeah. that. Have all that stuff ready to go. Allow yourself yeah. the, the time that you may need. It might take one or two minutes for some people. We're not – I think every – you can't go in and out of every aid station in under 10 seconds. But I think, sure, some of them you definitely can. But um, yeah. I think I think every now and the again – The thing is people to, have to remember – and Go. Sorry? No. Well, the, the aid station isn't a smorgasbord. I mean, no. Ashley was trying was being funny, but some people do treat it like a smorgasbord, and and they're there for yeah. a picnic. You're not there yeah. for a picnic. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you want cake, pick it up with coffee after you finish the race. Exactly. Yeah. But to, to be fair, if your race has gone completely pear shaped, you might oh, need to sit down different. and go. Yeah. Go. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this aid station to to replenish and restart yeah. my race from here. You know, but I'm yeah. I'm a big believer in having sometimes writing a list and having a, a, yes. a checklist of what you need to do. So okay, it might say number one, refill bladder. Number two, grab. Yeah. Yes, drop. I've done that. Yeah, number yeah. three, you know, uh, say thank you or whatever. You know, like so, <laughs> or, smile, you know, smile. But, but you know, there's. I mean, I like the idea of dropping out your changing out their water bottles as quickly as you can. Like that's another thing that takes time, and especially. I don't know, with, here in South Australia with the races, you can't – you've got to have your own – even on the shorter races, you've got to have all your own water with you, um, as in your yeah. own de devices, your drinking vessels. Yes. But you've got to have um, – you you've got to, almost, if you want it refilled, you've got to hand it to the volunteers to refill. They're not allowed to – which to me, yeah. I mean, it's just like 
it's all getting touched anyway. But at least they're sanitized. So yeah. But I, but I'm a um a water snob. Yeah. So um I don't like tap water. So mm-hmm. I have my own water. Very nice. In my drop bag because. What do you? Because chlorinated water makes me sick. Yeah, well, and that's just it. If you know what you raced better on, and yeah. if that means taking your own water, then you take your own water. Yeah. That's pretty straightforward. That's why I have my own my own drink bottles already made up, and I just, yeah, I don't even, I don't even trust the water. I'm, I, I've got to do everything so I don't get sick. Yeah. And if you got, oh, look, and after you spent that much money on an entry, <laughs> yeah, that right. makes total sense. Yeah. 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 And generally travel and everything else too. Yeah, exactly. And 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 why leave why leave anything to chance? Something as simple as that. Like and, yeah. and it's not chance. I know that that um chlorinated water makes me sick in the stomach, so I'm not I'm not even gonna bother. So yeah. you've I, got to know your body. You have to know everything about yourself. Absolutely. And like that going back to the management, uh, as Ashley was brought up, you know, I I think Especially like top level athletes such as yourself, Isabel, like and and others. <laughs> well, you are, you've, you've, you know, and whether you believe it or not, but you know, you we're you're pretty um, you just you know, like you know, you like to be in control of the situation. Yes. And, yep. and so much about there's so much in trail and ultra running that you can actually control, and there's yes. no re- you know. So I I like to do is make a list of all, what are all the things that are within my control. And then yeah. how can I how can I address those as early and have a plan around them? And then and then there's certain things that are beyond your control that you just have to be like the weather could go crazy. Yes. You know? That's yeah. beyond your control. But you can at least have a jacket or the right. That's what right I was gonna gear. say. You can control what clothes you've got. Yeah. But I mean there's no reason why you can't control your pacing. There's no yeah. reason why you can't control um, your nutrition and your hydration. Um, yeah. then there's and your mindset. That's another thing. Don't let you know, like that. That's a whole other thing. So yeah, I like to. I tick all the boxes. I, I'm a bit of a box ticker when it comes to that. I just go, okay, yeah. have I taken? And it, it, I find it makes me calmer when I know I've got the plan sorted. I feel yeah. calmer going into a race. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. So, what are some other things that we can do that will um, help us, you know, get faster in ultra without actually increasing the amount of training we do? That, I think one of the things that Ashley might have alluded to is um, going to looking at how to pace different sections of the course, mm-hmm. and especially if it's the course you get have gotten to know really well, you know, which is sort of I know this can apply to other things, but um, where possible, run on the course and go. Okay, I know that this section I can actually go a little bit faster through here because it's quite runnable. Um, and I know on this climb, it's an opportunity for me to maybe um, just re- not go too hard, uh, but just and maybe get some nutrition in. You know, is that what you were referring to earlier, Ashley? Like knowing how to pace the course better? That's exactly what I was referring to. Yeah, because that's a huge one. And that that's seen me. I, I look back at Heisen 105. I Every year that I've run that, I've run it faster and faster, but I don't think I was fitter especially in the last couple of years. I don't think I was much fitter, but it was more that I just ran it smarter um, and was able, and ran uh, sort of made made hay while the sun shined, so to speak. I ran yeah, well yeah. on the sections where I could run well and then took it easy on the hard sections. 
What do you think? How do you do yeah, that? I, I completely agree with that. I think um, the other thing that you need to do, if you can, is kind of know the surface that you're going to run on. For example, mm. um, you know, some of the races around here, two, two of the major races that are here are 100k and a miler, and they're only a couple of weeks apart. But the actual course that they're on, it doesn't look steep on a map. And it's not that steep, no. but it is like trying to run on ball bearings. Yeah. And so you actually have to know that that's what you're going to hit and how mm. to climb that sort of surface. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter what shoes you got on, it ain't going to help. The best, the best thing you so can actually hope for is a little bit of rain before the race. I agree. So are you saying that if possible, you know, get out on the course and practice on the course? Definitely. As well. If, if you yep. can, get out in the course and practice on the course. And if you can't practice on the course, like if you're going to travel overseas to race, then watch the YouTube videos and yep. look at the surfaces they're running on and yep. hit people up. As Daniel said, you know, read the race review, reviews yep. and then look for the same sort of surfaces around your own training area. I know that there's people in the U.S. that train on the flat and yet they go and race yep. in the mountains. And what they do yeah. is they might do stair climbs to try and replicate mm. the mountain running. Exactly. Um, Getting into that specificity uh, yeah. again, isn't it? So It is. And the yeah. other one is, you know, like running on sand, for example. That's just, you know, an ultra that covers horrible. sand. Oh. Yeah. Hor- <laughs> horrible would definitely be a word that would come to mind. <laughs> oh, give me all the actually on Soul sapping. I could think of heaps. Oh, yeah. mate. It's just, yeah. And then if you get salty, wet feet, oh, Ugh. So bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yes. No, I'd rather run up the up and down the hills all day than run on sand oh, all day. Completely. Yeah. yeah. We we've got a here down here in Adelaide. There's a on by the beach. There's this place called the the Snake Pit, and it's called the Snake Pit because it's quite often there's lots of snakes in there. Oh yes, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you been there? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's but it's like a 500 meter loop over basically these little sand dunes and it's a really good people people train there and it's just like deep soft sand and you run and it just people go and do their laps and speed work it is hard work i ran a half marathon around there one day um, with a bunch of friends it took me two and a half hours and that was me working hard you know like everyone was so it's just so slow you can't there's nothing there's no you know And I've never had such sore calves in my life. But, yeah, it, it was, it's helpful, though. Um, yeah. Helpful for what? I don't know. Getting good at running on sand. <laughs> mental it's, strength. It's, yeah, there's a bit of mental strength involved. You know, us, yeah. we do weird things, don't we? <laughs> You're but, doing um, that one. Mm. Uh, the, the other one that, that, that needs to be added here, I think, is um, if you're having a bad section in a race, and that definitely mm. happens. Mm-hmm. Um, that's to start is to start um, by smiling at people. Oh, right. No, smile. Force yourself to smile at people and force yourself to say when you get to an aid station, you know, if you're feeling really bad at an aid station, well, tell people you're feeling really bad and you might need help. But otherwise, make sure you thank the aid station workers before you leave the race. 99% of them are volleys. So they're there on their own time so that you can have a good race. So, you know, celebrate them. Well, look, there's been significant research. Feel better. Yes. Yeah, significant research that shows that that just smiling 
um, makes you makes you feel better and improves performance. I mean, and you don't even have yeah. to feel the emotion; you just have to smile. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is that, really interesting. That was, wasn't that another Alex Hutchison um, research? Yeah, I believe topic? so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, he didn't invent the idea of smiling, but you do. You, no. you, you hear it all the time. But I think it's. Uh, I'm a big. I I agree with you, Ashley. Have it. Just force it. If you fake it till you make it, kind mm. of. Thing, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's getting. Yeah. Com- but it's also getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's, that's yes. Just going. You know what? I'm probably going to feel a bit shit for for most of this, and uh, and it's sort of like. But it doesn't mean it's the end. And and that we talked a bit about that last week as well. It's like going out in the in the weather that you're gonna you know going out even if the weather's crap or whatever. It's you you breed that in in training is getting used to being uncomfortable. If you mm-hmm. only ever go out in the best conditions and the best times and the best whatever when you're training, when when it comes to the race and everything's not the best, you're yeah. unprepared. So exactly, you know it, it it kind of leads on from what we were speaking about last week. Yeah. I agree. I'd like to add something there, and that is there's two things I'd like to, to bring up out of that. Um, yep. First one is in an ultra, you're going to have a bad section. Yep. If you only I have don't one, know anyone. I don't know time. anyone who has a fabulous race the entire race. Mm. If you do have a fabulous race the entire race, please mark that on a calendar, buy yourself a trophy. <laughs> like it is because yeah. you may not be able to repeat that scenario ever again in your life. Um, yeah. That that was awesome. However, you are going to have a bad section, mm-hmm. and you need to know how to deal with yourself in yeah. your own personal way when you have a bad day. If you're having a bad day out on a training run, most people go, "Oh, I'll just call it quits," and that makes yes. sense. Yeah. Mm. But every so often. You're going to need to do a training one where you feel like crap and you're going to need to push yeah. through it. So as yeah. you know how to get through feeling terrible. Now, that feeling terrible, I'll give you some examples of my feeling terrible. Uh, it would be throwing up, shaking so much that I can't actually draw up the medication I need in a syringe. Um, that's just for me personally. Um you know, being freezing cold and not being able to get warm. Yep. Yeah, what, what, I don't know what you guys would like to add to that. I'm sure there's tons. Your feet feel so bad that you're panging for the little listers to bust. And then you get a little bit of pain relief. Yeah. And, and I think just generally it can be uncomfortable. And it's like, you know, when you're feeling good in an ultra, just be aware it's not going to last. But if you're feeling bad in an ultra, it's not going to last either. It's not going to last forever. No, no, those it doesn't terrible, last bad forever. Feelings. So just keep that in mind. And and that's, like you said, what you learn in training. Because I've been in a training run and I feel like crap. And it's like, no, I'm going to keep pushing through this. It's good mental training because it eventually goes away. Yeah. yeah. And, and you need to understand you're not going to nine well you know i'm not going to say never but you're not going to die generally you know and um it's just a feeling yeah you feel crap and whatever your situation is a bit different actually but in general for most people it's it's just a feeling and it will go away just like feeling good is just a feeling and sadly it will yeah, go away it too. will go away yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think if you're this well too shall pass exactly <laughs> if you're well trained and you've, mm. you know, you've done the long runs and you've done the hill yeah. work and all and the strength work, and you feel like, 
And but you are. But I think if the problem is um, mental, I mean, you, you, I think it's important to break down why you're feeling crap as well. It's like oh, I feel crap just because um, I'm a bit nauseous. Or but if you yeah. go. I feel crap because I think my knee, I think I've broken something. Then that's a, yeah, I think that's, that's different. different. Yeah. Then you yeah. go. I think so. It's really good to be able to do like a, a bit of a body check. Just go. Okay, what's working? Yeah. I everything. You know, realistically, I just feel crap because I'm really tired. Um, yeah. maybe I'll just have I'll have a big drink. I'll walk for a bit. Have a big drink. Have something to eat, and that that may make you feel better. If not, just keep going. As you say, everything. Yeah. This too shall pass. You know, like. Yeah. Um, it's like you hear stories, and I can't wait until I do my miler in in May. Is the yeah. the running through the night and then and then into the sunrise and how oh, that's that the just, best. Yeah, I'm, I do I see. Everyone says how they feel better. Then I don't. I love I love that period. I, yeah. I just do. Really? I love running into the light. Yeah. 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 After running all night, so what? It doesn't make yeah. you feel any better, Isabel? No, I still feel just as miserable. <laughs> <laughs> You're not selling it very well, are you? Oh, yeah, she, I think she sold it really well. Yeah, um, it's just the wrong. It's just the wrong end of the sales pitch. Well, what, <laughs> what's your favourite part of an ultra then? And don't, and don't say the finish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um, I don't. I, those moments when you're deep into an ultra and you feel good and you're like, holy moly, I've just been going for 90 k's. Yeah. This human body, this machine is so yeah. amazing. This is awesome. I'm awesome. The world is awesome. Yeah. Okay, so 10 Ks later, I feel like a bag of crap and I want to die and, you know, why am I doing this and but I hate enjoy my life. Those moments. But, <laughs> yeah, but those yeah. moments and you feel so powerful yeah. and amazing and wonderful and um, – and I know within myself, enjoy this because I know this won't necessarily last and it very rarely does. But um, but also overcoming those tough, horrible moments, like the dawn, which doesn't necessarily perk me up like it does for most people. But just for me, I got through another night. I can do this. I'm doing it. You know, it still is motivating, yeah. but just not as much as I think for other people. I just hear how other people, how, it, how they feel so much better. And I'm like, I just don't get that. But, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, interesting. I, I really like that positivity there, Isabel. That was mm. good. Yeah. <laughs> I like the dawn. I'm, I mean, I like it when I go out for an early morning run. Um, oh, yeah. And and, and yeah. just and you get up before everything. Like the other the – other, yeah. we've had a nice bit of rain here in Adelaide, which we don't get a lot of. And on the weekend, I went out for my, my long run. And just that moment right before I started running, it was about yeah. – you know, it's like 5.30 or something, dark, and – it was just this very light drizzle and it was a really nice temperature and just everything yeah. was completely still except for this soft oh, drizzle. Nice. And I just, yeah. yeah, it was just, it was just beautiful. And I just, I took a moment, you know, I just took, took, took a moment yeah. before I started running to really appreciate that I, you know, that I was up. And, and that's awesome. Like, to feel yeah. grateful for it. And you're the, you feel like yeah. you're the only person on earth on those, at yeah. those moments. And I'm sure we've all had those. But anyway, oh, we're getting. Yeah. Well, this, uh, this morning was a prime example. 12 yeah. degrees when I went out. Oh, glorious. Um, that, was, that was in the valley of the mountains. And then once I got above 500 metres this morning, it chilled right down again. And I went, holy dooly, I'm actually going to have to carry a jacket if this yeah. continues. So, yeah, because as I was climbing, it was just getting colder and colder. We haven't had that beautiful cold weather you have first thing in the morning. So yeah. it was really nice. That's what I love about autumn is those, those crisp mornings. 
Yeah, we're getting yep. there, aren't we? Almost a couple more yeah. weeks and things. A couple more weeks, to... yeah. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but, so, but, um, I have a I have a question for both of you. Sorry, yeah. did you have something you wanted to finish, yeah. Daniel? No, no. Go okay, for it, mate. I I want to cover. Speaking of speed, toilet strategy. <laughs> See, now you both yeah. laughed at that. We've got to talk because about, we're all because it's a it's a it's a real shitty problem. <laughs> very <laughs> shitty. <laughs> That, that everybody actually has to get over once people run beyond 5Ks, yeah. um, mm. the toilet thing really does become part of race strategy. Oh, and it definitely my question, is. My yeah. question is, you know, do you keep holding it till you get to the aid station? Do you nope. duck into the bush? Do yep. you – what do you do? What are you, What are your strategies? You, if you hold it, there is no way you can fully focus on performing your best. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You can't. I completely agree with you. And people who do, you know, trail and mountain ultras who can't go to the toilet in the bush, like, well, I don't understand. I don't understand <laughs> what the problem with going to the toilet in the bush is. Yeah. I would suggest yeah. that if you can't, if if you're a beginner or you're new or even if you're old to racing and you can't go to the toilet in the bush, that honestly might be something you need to practice doing. Yes, yeah. definitely. Because it's going to happen at some point. <laughs> Whether you, know? you yep. like it or not. Yeah. And, um, yep. Oh, look. look, seriously, there's, I mean, I mean, even just the training runs that you do in the bush, there's not okay. always going to be a toilet nearby. Yeah. And look, I assume we're talking about number twos here. Um, well, either thing one. Is for yeah, a girl, either, for a girl, for girls, either one. For a wee. You need to go, you need to find a spot. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's the same for a girl regardless. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you can't hold on all the time. Like, you just can't. It's impossible. And you know, to be honest, sometimes I would much prefer to go into the bush than go into one of those portaloos. Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. seriously. No Come way. Come out with blue loo, but. Yeah, Ugh, blue loo. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's you know, if you're lucky because some, some of these places, it's just drop toilets. And after 50 nervous runners have been through there, you don't want to go in there. <laughs> Exactly, and if you've been running and you feel a bit nauseous already, you know, oh my the God. last thing you yep. want is to go in there and, and um, have that fill your nostrils. Yeah. Um, no. I, I have this amazing, um, touch wood, in all mm. the 100K races that I've done, I've never had to stop and do a number two in any of Really? Them. Yeah, amazing. Oh, my God. I have Because I have got a little strategy around it. I've got no problem with it. I mean, on my training runs, I, I get caught out and I have to – dive into a bush sometimes and um but you know and that's fine but like so in the lead up to a race I, I think it's got to do with the way that I um I fuel in the 24 hours beforehand and mm. and and I I am I am trying to empty myself out as much as possible in the morning as you do I, I will <laughs> you know and so because the night before so my meal the night before 100k I never eat a great deal I I have yeah. I have a big breakfast yes. And the day before and a big lunch but and so that i wake up yes i'm the same yeah yeah i i um i wake up the morning of a run use a big race it's, it's several hours beforehand if i can and try and i will have two coffees pretty quickly and yeah. that usually gets the ball rolling so to speak and uh <laughs> and, um empty things out and it's and, it's, and then because then i know that i'm going to be eating basically non-stop for the rest of the day yeah so it's a, really? It's a okay. Yeah. What do you mean? No, I, eat, no. I mean, you know what I mean. I eat a in lot. A, in a race, yeah. don't you eat nonstop? Yeah. 
I eat non-stop, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, I try. You, you've got to understand, I have an incredibly sensitive um, stomach, so I, yeah. I struggle with all of that. I struggle really badly, even just in normal yeah. day-to-day life, let alone when I'm racing. Fair enough. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Food, food is a tricky one for me. Yeah. So, um, no, we've got to, but you got to, eat, but you know, that's just my little strategy, um, mm. in terms of. So I don't. But, but like, I you know. agree. None of this, um, like a lot of people the night before a race go, well, I've got to load up, and they eat a truckload of food, and then they're no. carrying that truckload of food around, and they've got to get rid of it somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, they've got so, to drop it off. <laughs> drop, drop, drop the kids off at the pool, so to speak. <laughs> oh, I hate the conversation has degenerated. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, look, Ashley, I think it's it's um it's one of those things um pooping. But pooing. people don't talk about it's, it. It's important. Exactly, because embarrassing. It's yeah. like that and chafing, and we've covered chafing fairly comprehensively. But you know, like you know, every even the queen poos. Come on, so let's. <laughs> oh, no, the- <laughs> This is something that I'd like to add here is if if you have a a sensitive gut, it is a prime example of make sure you take all of your own food to the aid stations. Which is why I do exactly that. Because if you eat something that's wrong and then all of a sudden you have explosive diarrhea. Which happens. There ain't enough bush for you to go (laughs) to. Yeah. To deal eating with that from, situation. Eating from aid stations has derailed, uh, has led me to DNF. Yeah. yeah. Because I get so sick. So it's um, just Unless you know what to. you're going to have, yeah, unless you've practiced yes. whatever it is at the aid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's just a sports drink, but I'm talking about the food, you know, and yeah. that sort of stuff. But yeah. even then the sports drink, if they're ma- mixing it themselves, you don't they never know. never mix it right. Yeah. Yeah. They might have mixed it too strong, too weak, too mm. who knows what. You know, they're, they're only doing the best they can, but they're not, you know, it's, I still, no, nah, even, like it, I said, It does come water. down to, you have, as far as I'm concerned, you've put in hours, and I mean hours, yeah. of training. You've put in hard-earned money. You've yeah. travelled there. Don't yeah. blow it all because you didn't prep your drop bags properly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that may be that you eat it and feel fine, but it comes out the other end in a completely non-fine condition and you get stuck because mm. of that situation. Yeah. yeah. And that, that is not a good situation to end up in. No, so, no it's pretty crap. Yes, it's definitely <laughs> crap. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. But I, <laughs> yeah, it's sorry. It is, and it is a big fear that a lot of people have, you know, in race. It is. It's, yeah. Know? And it's like... Yeah, you, and I, I know the first time I did an ultra, that was one of my biggest worries going in. What am I going to do if I need to go to the toilet? Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. you just go to the toilet. That's 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 the that's the secret. Yeah, because honestly, <laughs> yeah. holding on, it, it takes away from your mental space and your physical space, and you can't. It, it's impossible to focus. And you know, well, no, what will happen if you hold on for too long? Yeah, well, you'll explode. Nothing's going to stop that gravy train. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah, it's gonna, Once it's you get gonna, to that point, there ain't yeah. nothing going to stop it. Yeah. Um, well, I think we can we – can, let's uh, shift away from shit, we're, shall we're we? Gonna, we're going to move on. <laughs> but, uh, um, I, I, I will add there that yeah. um, learning your morning routine and yes. how your body functions is a very good thing to do. For example, for myself personally, I know that I need 
two hours before oh, race wow. to get all of my functioning done, which involves waking up, having coffee, eating breakfast, going to the toilet, mental prep. Yeah, I need two hours. I can't wow. just get up yeah. and and be away in 15 minutes. No, oh, God, no, 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 no. No. Yeah. I know some people can, but yeah. Yeah, some people can. It's I don't just, get them. Yeah, so you just need to learn your own process, yeah. take a note of it, so as that yeah. you can prep race day appropriately. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. And, and it's it's like what I was talking about with the aid stations and everything. It's you've got to know your own body, and and that's what people. A lot of people are distracted from listening to their own bodies, from you know using headphones or being on their devices like when they're sitting at home having their breakfast and that but you've really got to start tuning in and as great as garments are telling you what pace you're doing and whatnot it's, it's about listening to your body yeah absolutely yeah mm. no and I, I think going back to the bigger picture before we uh do a proper wrap up is yep. you know thinking about you know what we can do to improve our performance in a race you mm. know um you know what we've covered? We've covered toilet. We've covered aid stations. We've what else have we covered? Pa- we've, we've covered, covered pacing like, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What else? I'm just trying to think. Um, choosing the right crew. Choosing. A yes, crew choosing or? the right crew is really important. Mm. Mm. What? The, Don't what, choose what, someone who's because... going to tell you you look like shit. <laughs> what? That could be helpful though. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, this I hate it when people, when I know I'm, when I'm not doing well, and they're going, "Oh, you're so doing so well. You look so awesome." And I find it a yeah. little bit grating, to be honest. Like, I know I'm not doing well, and I know I feel like shit and look like shit. Don't you know? Yeah. Not that I'm, you know, whatever. But I prefer people to be honest with me, not not nasty honest. But okay, I know this is going wrong, but this is what you need to do to fix it, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. I think it's important if you do have a crew. To have yeah, some mm. people who can be who, who know you very well, and you know, yes. you know, like who are going to um be somewhat forgiving if you say the wrong mm. thing. And I mean, I I don't yes. think it's an excuse for poor behaviour in an ultra. I I, I do no. truly think. I mean, a lot I've seen a lot of people act really poorly when they're really tired. Ah, oh, isn't it I, terrible? Yeah, yeah, I don't like it. But um, and, but in saying that. You might sometimes just be overly emotional and um or mm. oh, yeah or just so you need someone who can speak the truth to you I think um yeah just go to be honest I prefer someone not too cl- emotionally close to me because oh. if I have someone emotionally close to me crewing oh yeah I'm more likely to turn into a sukilala yeah right that's interesting and I won't do that with someone that I'm not so uh, emotionally close with like. You know, like the crew at GSER, some of them, I, that was like only the second time I'd met them. And they were lovely people and, I, you know, but I wasn't emotionally connected to them, so I didn't feel like I could sook and carry on. Okay. And that was a, that was a plus, was it? Yes, definitely for me. Yep. That's what yeah. I need. Excellent. Yeah. Um, what about you, Ash? Uh, I've mostly used family and friends to crew me i have uh in 100k i had someone who i had never met in person before crew me and and how did that we'd go? only ever spoken on the phone you're really good so See? yeah we'd only ever spoken on the phone and, and we just chatted mm. like we were chatting on the phone you know mm. he goes you seem to have all your shit together um 
you know what you want at an aid station. And I just told him at the first aid station, I need this, this, and this out of my drop bag. And he just yeah. grabbed those things out. And from then on, he had it ready. Like That's awesome. The second awesome. I turned up. Um, yeah. So, yeah, really good at crewing. So, um, yeah. And then otherwise, I have used family, but the family has also been, uh, no, you can't, you can't hang out here for another second. You need to go. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, because I spoke to the family beforehand and said, do not let me stay here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do not quit at aid stations. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That And that's a good point. Don't quit at an aid station ever. At least get out there and try running one more kilometre. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Because you never know. You might have that, that turning point where you start because to feel it, good again might be just yeah. just around that next bend, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's got also, like I said, sometimes when you're with those people who are being kind and lovely to you and you start getting a little bit, oh, I just want to, you know, and you get a bit yeah. sooky, you know, it's best to get away from that and be on your, you know, on your own again and see how yep, you go back then. back in your own headspace. Yeah. Yep. That's um, brilliant, brilliant advice, that one. I don't think I've ever... I mean, I've gone back to an aid. I've had to be taken back to an aid station. And actually, no, mm. I lie. I have quit in an aid station before in my first early on in the piece. But I, yeah, not anymore. You know, you learn, you learn. Um, yes. But we, I mean, look, that's part of the reason why we, we're doing this podcast and why I, I think I've, I feel like I've made all the mistakes at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we all make mistakes um, early on and um, it's okay. Learn from them. And, yeah. And, you know, and that's what this is all about is learning from, you know, whether it's doing the same race more than once or learn from running on the course or learn from um, your own training. You know, it's tra yeah. that's what training's for. It's to teach your bo body, exactly. body and mind to prepare. You know, you don't just go into, um, you know, into the army or get thrown into, you know, I think about those guys. I heard it somewhere. You know, if you're a, a – um, in the army, you know, they're not just going to throw you to war without knowing how to operate your weaponry and, and you're not fit yeah. enough, you know, like they, they make you fit. They'll break you first, you know, yeah. if you're not. And so I know that's a kind of a poor example, but we, we just um, be, yeah, be prepared. Uh, can, I, can I bring up something else in regards to preparation is like um, visual or visualise or plan in your head what you're going to do if, things go wrong. Yeah. Like what is my plan if I get sick in the stomach? What is my plan if I'm running slower than I had wanted to? So that you don't get into that situation and then go, I'll oh, bugger this, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. You need to have a plan for what you're going to do if things go a little bit pear-shaped. Yeah, absolutely. Plan so B, uh, plan C. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. that's right. And just and how exactly you're going to react. Exactly. Sorry? That exact scenario I am actually working through with somebody at the moment who I am prepping to go and race overseas. Okay. Um, and they are racing a entire series of ultras, and it's exactly that. So is that they have that playbook because they won't have their own crew with them. They yeah. need to be able to send ahead of time, here's the scenarios because those races are so long. Yeah. Um here's the scenario, this is what will happen if I do this or if I do this or if I do this. Yeah. And it's just working through them most of the time just saying, what do you normally do in a race? Let's just write that down. And then from there it's like, okay, what happens if 
and and having that yes. all written out, one for the athlete and two for the people who are going to look after them. Yeah. And that and that is about you know we're talking about a forty thousand dollar trip. Yeah. To yeah. race, you know that's a lot of money. That's that's years of saving money to yeah. do the once in a lifetime goal races and making sure that there is an exceptional chance of finishing those and hopefully even finishing on the podium. So, yeah. yeah. Don't leave it to chance. Exactly. There's so exactly. much you, can't, you don't have to leave to chance, you know. It's both, you know, there's very few things that are, that you can't plan for, you know. Yeah. So and, I think or at that, least have an idea in your head what you would do if it happened. You're not, you're not planning for it to happen, but if it happens, this is what you'll do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Plan for the worst and hope for the best. Exactly. Exactly. Should we? And we'll wrap it up there, do you think, guys? I think we've come to a a natural conclusion, unless there's anything you can add. Um, But I think, uh, yeah, as a good one. And we'll next week. The the only thing that I would say, the one more thing that I would say there is if, if this is your first race and you're a beginner runner and you've got to carry compulsory kit, yeah. Make sure that compulsory kit is appropriate enough, because I know you're not going to want to spend a fortune, is appropriate enough to keep you alive in a bad situation. Yeah, not just to mm. satisfy the requirements. Yes, yeah. yeah. But to actually keep you alive. Mm. I know that uh, mm. last year I had three friends literally in the snow, stuck in the mountain, in a toilet, huddled together under a blank, under a space blanket because a storm had blown in. And it had taken them two hours to travel a kilometre. Yeah, wow. Because it was that bad. And yeah. it saved their life. Having the right gear saved their life. Exactly. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, that's very important. Wonderful. All right, well. Awesome. Don't leave anything off. to chance, guys. Nothing. Nothing to chance. Nothing at all. Nothing. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We might just we'll, – uh, we'll, we'll, we'll knock it on the head there and um, – I guess tune in again next week for more insightful stuff from us three incredibly intelligent and good-looking people. (laughs) Excellent. Thanks for listening. Yes. Thanks, Aram. Adios. Bye.